Man, oh man, oh man. Tis, 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 tis. Your Milwaukee Bucks riding high after that Game 7 victory last Saturday against the Brooklyn Nets come into the Pfizer form. I think maybe uh, reading their newspaper clippings a little bit too much. Maybe getting into themselves too much. As Trey Young explodes for 48 points for the Atlanta Hawks and hands the Bucks their first loss at home in the postseason, 116-113. to 113. Rowdy, at the same time, can we do it? Ready? One. You're going to look at me, though. One, two, three. <laughs> what a choke job at the Pfizer form last night. Wow. Um, to the offense that – and I hope Bobby's listening – to the because I was nice to Booty for one day, and now I'm not going to be nice anymore. To the offense that Mike Budenholzer was running in the fourth quarter, where it's just like everyone stand around the three point line and let Giannis have three, four guys on him to try and take it to the rack. To I don't know what the hell he was even calling up at the end there. Now I understand that Mike Budenholzer is not making up a play for uh, um, or uh, not missing out there to to make a miss a shot or make a shot for Mike Budenholzer. But really, Rowdy, we go to Pat Connaughton? Pat Connaughton for the for the shot at the end there? Like Not only that, but there was a few times earlier where where the Bucks didn't even get a good look or a shot. Yeah. It's, I'm I'm watching this offensive scheme unfold and I'm just scratching my head. And then I know it was an open look and he airballed the shot. But we're going to we're going to Pat Connaughton for the final shot? The guy who comes off the bench at game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. And don't get me started. Well, actually, you're going to get me started because we're here until 10 o'clock. But what is with Jeff Teague, Rowdy, playing right away in the game? Like, Bobby Portis came in and played, and then he was nowhere to be found after the first half. Jeff Teague is in the game uh, right away. I feel like Mike Budenholzer threw up the white flag as soon as uh, the ball was tipped off with his lineups, his substitutions, and honestly, his play calling and whatever the hell was being drawn up at the end there. What what did we witness? Because Giannis was a beast. Drew Holiday was a beast. What, well, once again, happened? especially on defense, there was really no adjustment to Trey Young or what the Hawks were trying to do no. at all. And there's no rebounding either, by the way. My God. But yeah, Trey Young, why is it that the Milwaukee Bucks always let a player... Now, Rowdy, Trey Young isn't to be confused with Kevin Durant, right? Like, I would imagine Kevin Durant, the best player in the world, to have historic games. Trey Young is a guy who is an up-and-comer in the NBA, correct? Yeah, and especially when Kevin Durant was the only lone superstar on his team. Now, some people may be able to argue that Trey Young might be the only superstar on the Hawks team, which he's obviously their best player. He's a baller. But at the same time, he's not at Kevin Durant's level, and he still has the rest of his team around him. Kevin Durant had guys dropping like flies. Yeah, Kevin Durant put on two historic performances. He, Kevin Durant had to do it because he was the only one left with a pulse or a working hamstring or a working ankle. Kevin Durant also, we've known for a long time, one of the best players in the world. Um, so I think over the series against the Nets, cemented himself probably as the best player currently uh, against the Bucks. I mean. And now you look at Trey Young. Trey Young, very fun player to watch. Wow, I had a blast watching Trey Young. But when he hit the Bucks with a, a little shimmy with the shoulder, and then that wide open. He literally stood there for like a minute, it felt like, did a shimmy with his shoulder, did a little dance, and then hit the wide open three when everyone else was just standing there staring at him. I said to myself, are we going to let Trey Young now look like the best player in the world? Like, Trey Young looked like, looked like the second coming of Jesus out there, Rowdy, for the Atlanta Hawks, and there were no really adjustments on him. I know... It was fun to see Drew Holiday and Trey Young go back and forth. They really couldn't stop each other. But eventually, um, wouldn't you put, like, I know P.J. Tucker was on him a little bit and really couldn't do anything. Eventually, wouldn't you, like, double Trey Young or, like, you know, throw some more bodies on him? Or, I don't, I don't know, Rowdy, make an adjustment on Trey Young. Well, I think the biggest thing was how the Bucks attacked the pick and roll at the top of the key. Because <laughs> they didn't. They just got stuck underneath the screen and just kind of stood there. It was like, what are you? Like they what, didn't what change. They didn't change their defense one bit the whole game. No, they that's didn't, why. Yeah. That's why Trey Young scored forty eight. It was when Trey Young hit the Bucks with the little shimmy of the shoulder. As a as as a basketball fan, the half of me was like like wow, how awesome was that? That was sick. But as a Milwaukee Bucks fan, I said to myself, that's embarrassing. You literally just let this dude stand there uh, at the what the the right arch of the three point line. Do a little shimmy with the shoulder, 
and then drain a three on you. He stood there for like 30 seconds, it felt like. A minute, it felt like. And then, speaking of three-pointers, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Speaking of three-pointers, and we just have our guy Packers underscore JT on Twitch. Where in the world was Chris Middleton? 0 for 9 from beyond the arc. The second time now in postseason history for Chris Middleton of him not scoring a bucket from beyond the arc. He is... He is your number two. He is also the highest paid, and nice tweet, by the way, Rowdy, the highest paid player on the court for the Bucks. He was 0 for 9 from beyond the arc. If I was Team USA who just uh, called him up <laughs> to the Olympics, I'd, I'd question what I'm doing there. <laughs> the 0 for 9 from beyond the arc, Chris Middleton. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan that you can pick apart that the Bucks didn't do well last night. And, yes, they lost by a bucket. And they had an open shot for a, you know a time, but one of the main things I think where you have to start start with when really going through and talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and things that needed to change in order to win, mm-hmm. you don't have to look any further than Chris Middleton. I mean that's 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 the that's the number one thing right there. I mean look at the rest of the team, Giannis. I think Giannis, Giannis, Giannis probably played again back to back, probably two of the best games he's played in his playoff career. Now, was it when Trey Young did the the shoulder, then the shimmy, then I think Budenholzer called the timeout? Was it Giannis then scored like three or four consecutive buckets for the Bucks? Like Giannis was a man possessed after that. I think that was after the shimmy. I think you could definitely argue this game in Game Seven against the Nets. Giannis has played two of his best all around games in the playoffs, no especially doubt. especially once you get outside the first round. No doubt. And so then you look at the rest of the roster and Drew Holiday completely balled out. He was a monster. That you was got, fun. You got some energy from Bobby Portis. For the first half. And guys, for the majority of the game, guys did what they were asked to do. Except for one guy. One guy. The guy that's supposed to be your number two. The guy that's supposed to be your big shot maker down the stretch. That's Chris Middleton. You mean the guy that went six for 23 shooting field goals? And if you break it down, just the three-pointers, 0 for 9? That guy? The guy that was minus 13 for a plus minus yesterday. Oof. 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 Yeah. Chris Middleton. That was very tough from Chris Middleton. That was a very piss poor and bad game. And then uh, what, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down, you know, piece by piece coming up. But right here, you know, right here, the opening segment is just reacting to everything. What happened to Bobby Portis? Was Bobby Portis not like a huge spark for the Bucks in the first half, Rowdy? Was Bobby Portis not out there just bawling? What happened to Bobby Portis? What happened to him? Where did he go? What happened to him, Rowdy? Well, I would say maybe uh, Budenholzer wasn't happy with his defense because every time they ran that pick and roll, he seemed to lay way off of uh, yeah. Trey Young. Yeah. But here's the thing. Whoever was in and playing that position was doing the exact same thing. So maybe it wasn't a specific player issue. No. Maybe it was a, it was a scheme issue. Maybe that's what it was. Wow, Trey Young, incredible performance from the youngster. Um, got 22 years old. Well, Knutson, a resident booze hound from Stoughton, says Trey Young is Trey Young is a midget. How did we let him score 48 points? Well, he's a he's a he's six one. I mean, I wouldn't. There's been shorter guys in the NBA, um, Knutson. So six young six one Trey Young. I mean, that's probably a he's probably six feet five eleven. It's probably a basketball six one. But there's guys shorter than him that have done a lot as well. So Trey Young is just the baller. He he's got the green light. I think Trey Young's got the green light from anywhere. <laughs> How many times did Trey Young pull up from like like beyond NBA range for just some brick of a three, and then still would go and get his like immediately afterwards? Trey Young was balling. Well, I think the biggest thing here for the Milwaukee Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks game one, it kind of reminds me of some of those games in the. Bucks net series where both teams I don't think played their best game. Yeah. And both teams had opportunities to win. Yeah. And the Hawks were the one that capitalized on one more play than the Milwaukee Bucks. And we were you look at the Hawks, the Hawks for the most part, you look up and down their roster, pretty much everyone played pretty well. They yeah. won by three points. Yeah, they, they were a solid team, and um, Trey Young, balled, he balled out. You look at uh, the three Bucks points. and their box score, Middleton was nowhere to be found. Lopez didn't have a great game. No. And the Hawks ended up making one more play than the Bucks did. Yeah. The Bucks had so many opportunities. So if you think about it, Trey Young does a miraculous 48 points on the road, balling. Everyone else from the Hawks basically did what they usually do. And the Bucks only lost by a basket. Oh, and by the way, the Bucks had an opportunity with a wide open look, for some reason set up for Pat Connaughton, 
a wide open look to tie the game and send it overtime. I still don't get what Middleton was doing there. He had he had the step on the baseline. I don't I don't understand. Middleton is one of the most confusing players in the NBA and definitely when it comes to Wisconsin sports, Chris Middleton is a very confusing player because some games well, I mean go back to game 7 for Chris Middleton against the Brooklyn Nets. Probably what? 75% of that game Chris Middleton was a lot left to be desired. Chris Middleton was looking like that guy that you're like, "Why did they pay him that money?" And then when it mattered, Chris Middleton stepped up, um, and he eventually had the go-ahead bucket in overtime against the Brooklyn Nets, and he was one of the reasons why, down the stretch, that the Bucks won. But, my God, uh, last night was a complete game from Chris Middleton of just complete stinkage. 0 for 9 from three-point land. That's I would expect Giannis Adenikumbo to do that. Well, I hope Giannis wouldn't shoot nine times from beyond the arc, but I would expect Giannis to brick every single um, three-pointer. Not Chris Middleton who went 0 for 9, 6 of 23 overall for only 15 points. That's 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 the head-scratcher. That's a head-scratcher. So, Rowdy, you weather, you weather a huge game or you experience a huge game from Trey Young, the rest of the Hawks players do what they basically do usually, and the Bucks, who had an open look to tie the game at the end with Chris Middleton playing like turds and uh, Brooke Lopez not playing up to standards, the Bucks only lose by three. I'm, I'm still very confident in Bucks in five or six. Probably Bucks in six. I th- the other thing that was kind of head scratching for the Bucks was the fact that all of a sudden in the Eastern Conference Finals the bench exp- expanded. You just beat one of the best teams in the Brooklyn Nets. Now I know they were down a little bit with injury, and what they what it was their bench was three pl- players, and Thanasis was one of them with one minute. Yeah, it was basically Pat Connaughton, and it was basically Bryn, Bryn Forbes. Forbes. And then Giannis's brother, Thanasis, would get a few minutes here and there. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, which I'm not against Bobby Portis playing. I don't think any Bucks no. fan is because everyone was wondering Big where spark. the hell he was. Yeah, we had calls yesterday about it. But Jeff Teague, who really hadn't played all year, he was a guy that was acquired by the Bucks late in the season. What was he doing? He was like their first quarter. Just like, I'm like, I'm like, what? What? Jeff Teague? What was that, Rowdy? And if you look at the Bucks roster, we've talked about how they've they've basically cleaned house in the lower levels of that roster. It's not as deep as it used to be. You look at the roster, and who do you really feel comfortable about playing many minutes? It's probably just eight guys. Exactly. And it's the eight guys that got you to this point. So let's keep pounding those eight guys. Um, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Bucks first time at home in the postseason with a loss. Hawks, they're road warriors, man. The Atlanta Hawks went a lot on the road in this postseason. Um, they're good. Well, the series is officially started. Yep. The series doesn't start until someone wins on the road. And here you go. The Atlanta Hawks have won on the road. Game one at the Pfizer Forum. Milwaukee will get going again at home tomorrow night. Tip off at 730. We said all this, but also this was the one game that I felt like could have been the hangover. Yeah. I will talk about that coming up. <laughs> Brewers win yesterday afternoon, though. Tried not to. How about that game uh, from Brandon Woodruff? That dude is a monster. Yeah, Woody looked good again. And now that's two starts with Woodruff and Peralta post, you know, sticky policy. And that's two good starts. Remember wow. that stat I had yesterday? They had nine uh, nine starts of six or more innings with one or uh, fewer hits. And it was uh, a record that hasn't been broken since 1903. Yeah. They now have 10. Because Woody didn't he allow just one hit yesterday, two. or was it two? I thought it was two. Okay, it was two. well, it still works. Then. Yeah, his la- his last inning. Oh yeah, because that's where he fell yeah. apart a little bit. Yep, oh, t- fell apart. He still lowered his ERA <laughs> to one point nine eight. He fell apart for, for him on his hits. standards. Brandon Woodruff, the big woo was awesome, and not only did Brandon Woodruff get it done on the mound, but he's the one that started the scoring for the Milwaukee Brewers. I saw that. Yeah, so if you were watching the game, so Brandon Woodruff in his first at bat. He attempted to bunt, and it was not pretty. No, he kind of had the he kind of had the Brett Anderson approach. I don't give a crap. Where it goes, <laughs> I'm really not interested in this. And oh, by the way, I feel like if you are Brandon Woodruff after your at bats yesterday, where he had tried to bunt multiple times, it's obviously really hard to bunt balls that are way low and way out because he 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 yeah. for some reason continued to try and bunt at them. Uh, uh. 
How about yeah. that one where he tried to he was trying to bunt, but that's when Jace Peterson um that's when that little tussle was that when that little tussle happened at second base? Yeah, which yeah. thankfully then yeah. he got to swing the bat and drove mm-hmm. in the run. Yeah, so Brandon Woodruff's up there's like, ah, I guess I'm gonna bunt again. And then there's a tussle at second base of Jace Peterson, and they're like, Yeah, take your base, man. You just got pulled down. That wasn't a baseball play. Take your third <laughs> base. Then Woody's like, All right, check this out. Crack. <laughs> I love it. Brandon Woodruff is the man. Is he not one of like the coolest brewers players in general we've had in quite some time? That dude rules. Seems like it. That dude rules. Yeah. And he pitched well again. And that's where, if you're a Milwaukee Brewers fan so far, now obviously Corbin Burns goes oh, tomorrow. He had three hits last yesterday. Damn it. So it doesn't what? go to the stand. I thought he only gave up one hit in the seventh, and then that was it. Sorry, Rowdy. So to continue, you're saying what? I mean, don't apologize to him. You're the one who failed us. You fa- You apologized to everybody. Oh, all right. You I'm, can't, though. I'm going to see myself. Didn't you already out. use it? Well, I'm not, I didn't mean it. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Going six innings, giving up a hitter, one hitter less, I'll take seven innings, giving up three hits. Yeah, that's a good point. It's still a pretty good start, <laughs> especially when point. you strike out nine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Corbin Burns goes Friday, and that'll be his first start with the quote-unquote sticky MLB policy. Well, I think so far, if you're a Brewers fan, Brewers are two for two for uh, guys that you would like to see since that policy was enacted, and they've both thrown the ball well. Obviously, not every single pitcher can say the same. <laughs> Richards for the Red Sox. You suck, <laughs> you jackass. All right, I want to talk the sticky balls and the cheating. Clayton Kershaw had some interesting words. He was uh, defending Max Scherzer. Scherzer. It's a hard name to say. Scherzer. There you go. I nailed it. Former it. lacrosse logger. Yeah, we had his bobblehead uh, somewhere around here. When he was a logger. I think the Vern brought it in from the Mallards. Sure, sure. But Brewers win, baby. They did take two out of three from the Diamondbacks, so freaking out about the Brewers losing um, that first game and letting the Diamondbacks snap their 17-game losing streak, I guess. uh, I just wanted to overreact that day. That's okay. But, Rowdy, um, I'm not saying you were uh, doing an illegal stream, and I'm not saying that I do illegal streams. I'm not saying anyone does illegal streams. But sometimes when I'm watching the Brewers game, or in Rowdy's case yesterday when he's watching the Brewers game, he caught actually the opposing broadcast, the Diamondbacks Yeah, broadcast. now this is the second time that I've, um, while watching these streams, been on the Diamondbacks broadcast. And I actually don't mind it. I think it's, at some bit, it's a little refreshing to hear a different uh, point of view. Now, obviously, I think, and I've talked to RJ about this, I think as Brewer fans... Brewer fans are really spoiled having Brian Anderson and even rock has gotten a lot better over the years. And then when Anderson can't be there, you have a guy like Matt LePay that can fill in or, uh, one of the two radio, uh, lane or, um, who's the other guy? Not lane Prattley. No, no. Uh, King of the Hill. Hill. Sorry. Who's the other guy? Yeah. I can picture him. I can't think of him either, but what I'm saying is they got (laughs) a lot of good lane Prattley. Sorry. A lot of good broadcasters. Arizona, definitely a level below. But it's nice kind of hearing their opinions and, and hearing them when they talk about the Brewers. So you kind of get a different point of view on the team that you're watching every single day. And going into that start, they were questioning whether or not Brandon Woodruff was a sticky substance user. Because they go, look at his look at his numbers you know, the first however many games it was, and now look at his last three starts. And his ERA in his last three starts was like four-something, whereas ERA in his first, I think it was like 10-ish starts yeah. or whatever it was, was minuscule below two. Yeah. And they're like, man, those numbers, you know, they are, they do have that sticky policy now and blah, blah, blah. They're trying to almost say, like, look at his numbers now versus then. They're well, insinuating, here's, here's the funny part. One of those starts was in Colorado in altitude which, where he gave yeah, up a grand slam. A grand slam. Two bad at bats, yeah. which was a home run and a grand slam. First yeah. inning. That's five. Five. That runs. puts yep. your ERA at nine because yep. <laughs> you just went five innings. Yep. Oh yeah. The other cause they they handpicked those last three starts. Yep. Here were the other And no one in media would ever handpick anything. Here's the other two starts never. they're never referring here, to. Never. Seven innings against the Pirates, two earned runs. The start before that was also against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Five innings, two runs. So in those 12 innings, it was just four runs. Hmm. That's an ERA a little over three. And all, all those were earned? All, yeah, all, all earned. All four of those? Okay. 
But I mean, if you add right. it up, yeah, those two starts just together, the ERA is a little over three. The one that blew it up was the Colorado start that got you to the four plus. So. Yeah, the one, the one game. <laughs> so exactly. the so yeah. the Diamondbacks broadcast was accusing For, Brandon Woodruff of st- using spider tax. Well, they yeah they kept referring to his numbers in his last three starts and then all the starts prior, and they're like saying, "Yep," and you can tell his location just hasn't quite been as good as it was that we've seen in the past. And I'm sitting there going. It's zero to zero, and he's striking out over one an inning. What, yeah. are, what are they talking about here? Uh, if the Brewers' offense wasn't stranding runners in this game, they'd be up big. Be, yeah. They continued that narrative till about the fifth or sixth inning. When they got their first hit, their <laughs> second hit. And then all of a sudden they're like, it was a it was a flip because Milwaukee was winning. And they're like, Yeah. Woodruff's still throwing the ball pretty well though today. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, he's <laughs> oh. that that that's his uh, seventh strikeout, and we're like in the fifth or sixth inning or whatever it was, and it's like, yeah. man, that's quite the Cra- change there. You were literally for the out. first five innings trying to say I, how. Cor- <laughs> correct was- me if I'm wrong, but the big thing to look at when you're looking at people who use the spider tack and aren't using it anymore, yeah, is the spin rate and how yeah. that is different. Yes, so, not so much. I mean, yeah, location is part of it because I mean it gives you a better grip on the ball and correct. all that, but. It's more so for the RPMs that are going on that ball to have the ball move more. So we're going to talk, because Clayton Kershaw is defending Max Scherzer. One, one last yeah, thing. The, the funniest thing to me was, okay, yeah, he Brandon Woodruff looked good. He was striking guys out. Yep. But the thing was, he didn't have his A stuff. We've seen Brandon Woodruff's A stuff. Yeah. He looked good yesterday. He didn't have his A stuff. He didn't throw it every single pitch exactly where he wanted it. Yeah, he missed a little out sometimes, a little up sometimes, but he still looked good. Yeah, he looked really good. All right, so uh, uh, Max Scherzer getting defended by Clayton Kershaw over what happened. But before we do that, let's uh, go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, good morning. This is Steve. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, um, quick Brewer comment. Um, Are they starting to figure Devin Williams out? Yeah, because he got he got uh, what he gave up that run last. I night. think the biggest thing with Williams is is actually his location. When he normally gets hit hard, it's when he's leaving the ball right down the middle. But most of the time, you don't see them hit his changeup out. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess um, the other thing is, boy, do the Brewers need Kesson here to come through? Almost as bad as the Bucks need the Middleton. To come oh, through. Yeah. Oh God, Bucks need Middleton <laughs> worse. But yeah, Kesson here really needs to step up. Uh, Rowdy pointed out the fact though had two hit two really hard hit balls yesterday, just victim of Yeah, Steve, he he hit the ball extremely hard as two yeah. at bats. The first one obviously, well, he hit it to the wrong part of the ballpark. Well and just like Middleton, he's he's a guy I root for. I think he's a good guy. I think he's good in the clubhouse. I think uh, you know, he's an he's an easy guy to like. So yeah. you know, he's battling stuff with his mom, dealing with stuff with his mom. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of mental stuff, which has gotta be tough, you know. Rowdy was listening to the opposing broadcast for the Milwaukee Brewers game yesterday afternoon. And the opposing broadcast for the Diamondbacks were basically accusing Brandon Woodruff of using spider tack and the sticky substance, right, Rowdy? Yeah, and it, dude, it's the funniest thing ever. Like, right when they started talking about it, I'm like, really? <laughs> we're going to go here? The guy hasn't even thrown one game yet once this policy was enacted. And then they were basing it off his last three starts, and I'm like, this is already, like, BS, because even if he was using a sticky substance... Yeah. Those three games, he was still not being checked for it, technically. So that wouldn't have affected his statistics. And then when you go back and really look at it, he only had the one bad start in Colorado because of two home runs. One was a solo shot, and one was a grand slam. Both in the first inning. Take away those two pitches. That game doesn't look nearly as bad. No, not at all. All right, so, but what we saw when MLB enacting these new rules was that was that uh, Tuesday night when, yeah, Tuesday night, it happened to Max Scherzer, who got it not once, not twice, but three times. He got so pissed off the third time because it was during the middle of an inning that he took his hat, threw it to the ground, took his glove, threw it to the ground, unbuckled his belt, opened up his pants, and kind of pulled his pants down like mid-cheek. And the umps are like, well, what are you doing, dude? Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And Scherzer's like, this is ridiculous. He starts chirping at Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, for doing it. And then Clayton Kershaw's coming to Max Scherzer's defense now. Kershaw believes that Joe Girardi was using the foreign substance check as a strategic move because Girardi was attempting to mess with Scherzer's rhythm. And you could totally, that's totally what happened. Scherzer got checked twice 
mid-inning or in between innings, and then the third time was mid-inning during the inning while he was pitching. Scherzer pissed. Clayton Kershaw believes that there should be consequences for managers that calls for foreign substance checks and nothing is found. And I quote from uh, Kershaw, I think there should be a punishment if they don't catch anything on the guy. Scherzer is one of the best pitchers of our generation. To see him get checked, I think it is at first and third situation or guys on base and messed up his rhythm. I think he ended up getting out of it, but you better find something if you're going to call him out like that. There should be punishment. Yeah, and I heard some other things floating around about whether or not if it's there and they they ask for it to be looked at and they find the sticky substance, obviously the player's gone. Yeah. But if they're wrong, I know one thing that was being kicked around by multiple players that played and or are playing was you should automatically lose your challenge. Yeah, auto, auto yes, total, totally. That's what Kershaw said too. Maybe if they lose a challenge or maybe if they have a challenge, they can't use it then. Now, I did see a tweet by Buster Only, obviously a big uh, Major League Baseball insider, that had to do with the challenges and the rules. So I'm going to pull that up here real quick. Well, I'll give you my idea when you pull that up, Rowdy. I think if a manager has challenges, uh, a pitcher, and then comes up short, then the manager has to go up to bat, and the pitcher can beam him if he wants to with a, with as fast as he can throw, and he can't move. Okay, here Punishment. it is. So Buster Only's tweet says... I guess to kick him in the ass. And now this is referring to whether a manager challenges it and if they are incorrect that they should lose their challenge for the game. Mm-hmm. He goes, I really like this idea in theory, but after calls today, learn that any change to the replay system as it is currently constituted would have to be collectively bargained, of course. meaning that it won't happen this year. Yeah. But here's the thing. He's saying that you're not going to be able to throw this rule in midseason because they it's do this rule in, in the collective bargaining where you're going to have to bargain for this change in rule with replay. But yet Rob Manfred had the power to throw in this sub- sticky substance rule literally mid-season. In what... In what sport do you throw in a rule mid-season and it goes smoothly the nfl never does it they always wait remember the terrible pass interference call yeah yeah. between the rams and the the saints yep they waited for the next year to come in with a terrible rule and then they threw that rule out because it it wasn't working yeah but they 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 waited till the end of the year they then put that rule in the rule sucked for that one season (laughs) then they threw it back out they're like that was trash yes it just doesn't make sense how Rob Manfred can all of a sudden just do it because he's a commissioner and say, yep, we're going to go with the sticky substance, even though it's going to be late June. What is the state of Major League Baseball right now? It kind of seems like a joke. Yeah, if you can throw that rule in, why can't you also throw in the rule saying, yes, if you do lose it, well, you're losing your chance. So we're just allowed to mess with these pitchers that are having great – let's say a pitcher who is just using his God-given natural talent – is out there having a gem, and he's in a rhythm, he's doing his thing, and all of a sudden, like a guy like Joe Girardi could come out there, like, la, 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 la. Take, make him take his pants off, his hat off, and his glove. He's got illegal substances mid-inning, and then they go mess with the dude's rhythm who's throwing a gem, and all of a sudden he's, he's off even though he wasn't cheating? Well, how about this? Since this isn't a, a replay rule or a collective bargaining rule, you know how Major League Baseball really loves the fact that for, for extra innings, a guy gets to start on second? Mm-hmm. By the way, did you see that? Um, well, Wisconsin Wookie says this is enforcing an existing rule. Until, I think it was last night. Yeah, le- yesterday afternoon, I believe it was the Nats and the Phillies went 13 innings. Yeah. Or else the longest game before that was just a few nights earlier, and it went 12 innings between the Twins and I forget who they were playing. Yeah. So it really has cut down on long, extended, um, extra inning games. If you don't want to look at replay and challenges. Why not? Uh, if a guy doesn't get it correctly uh, nailed that someone is using a sticky substance, how about the next inning team gets to start a guy on second base? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good idea. Or how about since teams like the Brewers can't score even with a guy on second base, how about third base? <laughs> third base. <laughs> if I'm a Brewers fan, I'll take that. All. If I'm a Brewers fan, I'll take that all day. But I mean, I thought this is a new rule, Wisconsin. You got to start floating out something, especially if they're going to shoot down different stuff because of collective bargaining. Because I do think that there should be a consequence for not getting it right. Because 
Now, the Sergio Romo stuff was above and beyond because that was just his check. That was hilarious, though. Max Scherzer, though, does have a point because he got mid-inning. checked three times. And the third one was and, mid-inning. And two of them were in the same inning. <laughs> it's like, yes, okay, you didn't find it at the beginning of the inning. What, are you going to find it during the inning? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to – We gotta. here's what they got to do next, Rowdy. All right, take your pants down and spread the cheeks. Where are you hiding it? Where are you hiding the sticky stuff, man? Where are you hiding it? Uh, this is getting insane. It's insane. Um, under the new guidelines, I don't know Wisconsin. Well, under the new guidelines, any pitcher who possesses or applies foreign substances violation of the rules, we check it, blah, 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 blah. Uh, suspensions under Rule 3.08. I'll, I'll get the research department on it. I don't bore you with me reading off some rules and stipulations here before you get it. Uh, let's see here. Wisconsin Wicked does say otherwise it would be in violation of the CBA. Yeah, that's why they got to, you know, bargain on it. This, this, w- what they're doing though is getting ridiculous, but also at the same time, we have Jimbo saying it's a double-edged sword. It's pathetic for professionals to cheat, and it's a mockery of the game the way they are ex- uh, executing these checks. Yes, but it is a double-edged sword. Both of it's stupid. On one hand, yeah, you should be uh, giving your, using your talent. On the other hand, you shouldn't be screwing with the guy's game like Scherzer, who was doing it clean, and you're messing with his stuff. It's well, that, and that's also the thing with baseball. People have been cheating well, since was, it started. It's every sport. But yes, like the way they're doing it is insane. Um, I know a lot of people probably didn't see it, but the second Arizona Diamondbacks Brewers game. Yeah, they made Freddie Peralta after checking them, checking, you know, to see if he had sticky substances. Obviously, he passed. They ended up because he was continuing to throw so well, made him change gloves because they said his glove was too light and he still balled out. All right, guys, bear with me here. Imagine. The Atlanta Hawks are playing the Milwaukee Bucks game one at the Pfizer Forum in the Eastern Conference Finals, okay? Just imagine it. And Trey Young has the ball. And Trey Young is at mid-range section. And Trey Young pulls up to shoot a mid-range shot. And the announcer, Marv Albert, goes, And Trey Young for three! And you look around and you just scratch your head like, is this dude watching the same game I'm watching? Because that was clearly a mid-range jump shot, not a three. Good morning, RJ. Morning. Yeah, that last night was not Marv Albert's best night on announcing. Rody, I mean, you noticed it too, right, Marv? You just go with it. Like Reggie Miller? Reggie Miller's just like, what the hell is this dude talking about, man? Like, the hell are you doing, Marv? I, I think for sure I Let heard four times. Thing. I think I'm pretty sure I heard four times Marv Albert call so-and-so for three. Well, it was a clearly like yeah. five to seven feet like inside the three point arc, and you're like, Marv, dude, hey, bud. I, I think it's time. I think <laughs> uh, it's time. I mean, he did announce his retirement, so yeah, I'm pretty sure I heard him say Demarcus Cousins for three once too, and it was. Let me let me give you guys a hint. Demarcus Cousins is not on the Atlanta Hawks. Nope. Also, whoever was shooting the ball at the time was not, not behind the three point line. I mean, he's not even in the Eastern Conference, is he? Uh, uh no. no, he's in the yeah. West. Yes. <laughs> oh, Marv, what have we got? What are we gonna do with you, my man? Uh, Packers underscore JT says, "Poor Reggie Miller. Whenever they cut to those guys on TV, Reggie's like, what the hell is he gonna say here? And what the hell am I gonna say when he says it?' But Reggie Miller, RJ, you pointed this out too about Reggie Miller. What was he doing last night? Actively rooting for the the Hawks. I mean, I don't care if like someone's like you know got a like a. Uh, a feeling for a team or like they like him or something, but after a while it just gets nauseating. I mean, okay, so there was that uh, alley-oop from Trey Young to, I forget who it was. Um, and well, there's a couple of those and they were sick. Well, there was that first one and Reggie Miller went crazy over it. <sighs> then in again? the next few possessions, I think it was the, the Bucks had two to, to Giannis mm-hmm. said absolutely nothing. Uh, and yeah, he was, I don't expect them to always like no. go goo gaga over every play for, you know, my team, but still, I mean, he didn't really have anything good to say about the box and every positive thing to say about the Hawks. Now, maybe watching he was trying that to inspire game, Marv somehow, maybe watching that game. I understand now I wasted my time watching that game. This is why I don't watch the NBA. It's because no one can I, rebound? No, nobody can rebound. How embarrassing is that? You got... That was bad. 
the the final five minutes guaranteed you did, like that was bad. Probably doubled up on rebounds. That was not good for rebounds for the Milwaukee Bucks. They got taken to work on the uh, the glass, and at least two of those ended up costing the Bucks six points. There's your margin of victory. A tie, and then the extra three that got you over the hump. Well, one of the big things is that foul. the tallest guy on the court for the Milwaukee Bucks had two rebounds. Yeah. Whoa, and, whoa, whoa, and that's whoa, Brooke whoa. Lopez. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't call people out. Well, Listen, no, don't hang on. Their heal- the feelings might get hurt. This isn't this isn't collegiate sports, RJ. This is professional sports. Oh, we sorry. Can... They just looked like they were the Badgers. Now, despite the Badgers having, uh, we call them kids, and we found out that the Badger basketball team last year actually was older than some NBA teams. Not just one. Oh, the Bulls. <laughs> so despite the Badgers being older than an NBA team, they are kids. Yep. And despite some NBA players being younger than college players, they're, they're men. They're men. So, men. So you can't make fun of the collegiate players because they're kids, despite being older than NBA players. But you can make fun of NBA players because they're adults, despite being younger I wasn't, I wasn't making fun of them. But they're professionals. Yes. They're I professionals. said you can't. Talk to basketball players like that. Do you think? I wish someone would have. I think s- overall, like basketball players are real soft skinned. Well, here's what I'd like to see I would have liked to see someone record what Mike Budenholzer had to say, or the players say to Mike Budenholzer because the players driven league. So you Mike, you bleep and suck. Why are you still here? <laughs> All we had to do was co- <laughs> cover Trey Young, and guess what? We probably win that game. Yeah. Well, do you know how to defend a three-point line, Coach? Because I don't think you do. I don't understand the offense at the end for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's like, let Giannis have the ball. Everyone just stands around and watches him, and he tries the best three or four guys who are standing in the paint. Like, that was Mike Budenholzer's offense at the end. Am I wrong wrong in that analysis of the offense of the Milwaukee Bucks at the end? I mean, there's a lot of different things. And it's... I understand that in the NBA, you don't... It's not necessarily like a, a college team where you're drawing up legit inbound plays to try and get a, a big time basket. But oh my goodness. I mean we we learned from game seven. They weren't even drawing up competent inbound plays. Like when they when Mike Boonholzer sits down and he's got his clipboard on a timeout and everyone's sitting around him and he's like he's just like doing his like Picasso doodling. Yeah, he's drawing like a smiley face. Like what do you think he's drawing on there? Oh he's doing you remember in high school, everybody had to have done this in middle school and high school. The the like 3DS. Oh my! That's what he love. was doing. Now the 3DS was something when we were in middle school and high school. RJ, yeah. Rowdy, do you know what we're talking about with the the the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Everybody does. That that's timeless. Yeah. The S the S in middle school when you you draw it in your binder. Yeah. Or your notebook. Timeless. The the six lines and yeah. then you connect them all up. That, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. That will never go away. No. That's when you think you're a true artist. Like I'm destined for an art field. And then you look around and everyone else is doing it. And you're like, oh, <sighs> damn. All right, so I would love to know what Mike Boone holds. Yeah, maybe he's around that big ass. He's like, dude, have you guys seen this? Six lines, check this out. <laughs> I just, there's so many things to talk about from Mike Boone Holzer. Maybe he is drawing that S, and then he turns it around and goes, Giannis, that's what I need you to do. Be Superman. <laughs> Superman. <laughs> I think it's a different S, Rowdy. That's the S on the chest. Yeah. Um, it all stands for hope. I think that's what Mike Boone Holzer is doing, though, to Rowdy's point. Like, okay, here's, what, here's the game plan everyone clear out to the sideline, to the side of the court near the three-point line, and we're going to give Giannis the ball and just let him do his thing. Did you guys know he's back-to-back MVP? All right, go. And then three or four guys stop him. And everyone's else like, what the hell was that? Um, <laughs> the hell's hey, he doing? Coach, quick question. What are we supposed to do? So here's the thing on the final play where the Bucks, you know, the Bucks had an open opportunity, an open look, an open three to tie it. My question is, and I know Pat Connaughton has hit a bunch of those. But my question is, in the Eastern Conference Finals, when you're one series away from going to the finals, why do you not give it to some of your superstars? No, that's the thing. They yeah. did. They did. They did. The inbound Chris, play went to Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton then drove baseline, actually had a step on the defender, but as he saw the the other defender coming towards him, he decided to pass the basketball, and obviously it went to Connaughton. Who then airballed the three? But if if he's your best, honestly, it's not like Middleton would have done much better. Zero for nine on the night. If he's your if he's your best player down the stretch, because we know he's the better basketball player with the ball down the stretch than Giannis is, especially with the ball in his yeah. hands. Yeah. We want him taking the shot over Giannis. I don't think that's a debate. He's correct. When you have a step, why are you not looking to score? And or why is your head not on a swivel? Because you'd have to imagine that Giannis is going to be flying down that lane. Yeah. 
But nope, Pat Connaughton was the answer. When you got a step, Rowdy, you got to take advantage of it. When you got two steps, definitely. And when you got three, you play Leonard Skinner. What a choke job by the Milwaukee Bucks last night at the Pfizer Farm. Or was it? No, it was. I'm... I'm, I was trying to talk myself that it was. It totally was. They a were eight down. point favorites. Eight point favorites. Uh, there was a point in the game, and I'm going to play a little old dirty bastard here. Uh, the instrumental version. It's not going to be the actual uh, lyrical version of "Shimmy Shimmy Yeah Shimmy Shimmy Hey." Here it is, Rowdy. Uh, what happened last night was not only a choke job by the Milwaukee Bucks, but when Trey Young. Kind of uh, juked Drew Holiday out of his shorts. Drew Holiday just kind of stood there. Uh, I guess, was it Bobby Portis who didn't come to defend either? Yeah, Bobby Portis was sitting back pretty far. Trey Young is wide open at the three-point line. No one is anywhere near him. Trey Young looks around, looks around again, probably waves to his mom up in the stands, then looks around again. I think he bent down to tie his shoe. People still haven't come up to guard him. Trey Young then takes a deep breath. Does the shimmy shimmy with his shoulder. Just a little shimmy shimmy yah shimmy shimmy yay. And then hits a three ball. And then just walks off like, dude, I am the man. That right there was embarrassing for the Milwaukee Bucks. What was that with the shimmy shimmy yah, Rowdy? I mean, not for Trey Young. That dude's balling. The Milwaukee Bucks let that happen. That was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Trey Young was a baller last well, night. Well, here's the here's the other thing. Okay, Trey Young was hitting threes. All right. Trey Young was getting to the well. He was attempting to get to the rim and throwing up floaters that kept going in. Correct. Yeah. 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 What would you rather have? A guy killing you with floaters or a guy killing you with threes? I know you're not good at good at math. I have a guy killing you with floaters because the, if you're threes, you're scoring more points, Rowdy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of simple. You're correct. I'm not good at math, but I'm smart enough to know that you don't want a guy always hitting three, three balls. Three is bigger you. than two. Yeah, you get one more extra point for him. Last time I checked. Oh my god! So Trey Young was balling. Well, Trey that was, was the balling. thing. It was the thing. The Brewer or the Brewers. The Bucks were in that medium range, right? Like they were, they were playing back to where they were giving him the shot, where they they couldn't really get in range to get a real hand in his face. Mm-hmm. But yet they were playing. Up enough to where Trey Young might not necessarily want to drive in for a floater. It was like you were in a no man's land, and he killed you either way. Was it me? Um, and, and we'll go in on the the players coming up here, and obviously Mike Budenholzer. I hope you're listening, Bobby. But was the Pfizer form? Was the Pfizer form? Could you hear a pin drop for like the entire game? Now they say they've went back to full capacity, but. Reader, reader. Was at the game last night, and he sent a picture. I saw it on the broadcast too. And I asked him, "Hey, was that completely full capacity?" And he goes, "If you zoom in on the picture, all of those white backs are towels. Yeah, they're towels. Where there are open seats. There's a decent amount of white towels in this picture. Just scrolling through it, looking uh, around. Yeah, there was a lot of empty seats. And here's the thing: the people at the Pfizer that were actually there. They were just as loud as those towels that were laying on the empty seats. They just kind of sat there and were like, oh, the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, interesting. Also, a lot of those um, front row seats looking pretty empty. Yeah. Even David Bakhtiari was there doing the, uh, the beer chug like he did, you know, two years ago that fired up the crowd. The crowd didn't even get too excited about David Bakhtiari just slamming his beer. The agent 69. The crowd at the Pfizer Forum, shame, shame, tisk, tisk, tough scene. They were very, very subdued. It's like they all put, like, freaking quaaludes in their uh, beer. Like, what was going on? They're all just kind of, like, <laughs> drooling out their mouths. The, kind of like the Bucks players at times. It was it was a very low-energy performance from the Bucks, a very low energy from the crowd, and it's the Eastern Conference Finals, and it's just like they were treating that game like it was a game one. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not a game one. They're seeing that game like it was a regular season game. Excuse me. It was it was it was not the greatest of games for the Bucks. But here's the thing: they had a chance to tie it, and Giannis. I mean, Giannis played good. Chris Middleton didn't play good at all. He was 0 for nine from beyond the arc. The second time in his postseason career of not making a three. I should have been there last night um, to inspire Chris Middleton. The Bucks have never lost a playoff game against the Atlanta Hawks in which I've attended. They're one and zero. 
Last time around, and you got a towel last time you were there. I think you still have the towel. Yeah, the red and green. Ugh. Fear the deer. I, I I believe that was the first time they went with the fear the deer. It was the John Solomon's year where they traded for him. You know how bad the red and green jersey scheme is when you go. When I was watching the broadcast last night, I don't think and 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 tomorrow night, Friday night, is game two. Look at when they pan to the crowd. If you ever see anyone wearing the green and red jerseys, you'll see even like the the all blue ones, the city edition one they have out now. That are like all blue, like what does that have to do with the Milwaukee Bucks? All blue, rowdy. Go look in the crowd. You'll never see a green and red jersey. Oh, you'd love it too. It was the series where it was the four stink. four five matchup. Bucks were the five. Hawks were the the four. Each team held serve at home, and obviously that means that the Hawks ended up winning that first round. Yeah. Pretty sure Bud was the coach. That was the Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Marvin Williams. And then for the Bu- for the Bucks, it was Brandon Jennings, Carlos Carlos Delfino, it's Carlos Delfino, Larry Sander. Yeah, it was that those type of squads. But even if you extend it one further, I've probably went to about a dozen Bucks games in my life. Two and zero against the Hawks all time. One in a playoff, one in a regular season. Oh, I mean. We have a tomorrow off, Rowdy. You better be getting your ass up to the Pfizer form then. Well, Brando Savage on Twitch says, probably one negative of uh, the Deer District is why spend $140 for a seat when the energy outside is insane? Hey, the Deer District is sick. That place is rocking. Well, maybe maybe they should uh, have an outdoor arena. Incorporate, you know how... Let's tear back, the walls down like Jericho. Back at the Bradley Center, I don't know if they, they probably still do this. Well, who knows? But uh, they used to have all of the UW-Milwaukee Marquette and and Milwaukee college students could get oh cheap cheap yeah, cheap yeah. ticket prices and yeah. they could go there. Now, granted, that was when the Bucks weren't very good, but <laughs> and if, also an old stadium, older stadium. But if you're gonna have the Deer District look like that outside, and I'm looking at some of these pictures with all of these blank open seats with towels hanging on them, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to open up a cheap section. Now, here's the thing, Rowdy. That's a brand new stadium. The Pfizer format's brand new. You think Mark Lazary, the billionaire, you think uh, Wesley Edens, the billionaires, are going to allow for the common man to have cheap seats in a brand new arena? No, 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 Rowdy, no. They need to fleece their pockets. Come on, bro. So we do have a message in here about student tickets. So Nick... Mick messaged and said they were doing student deals. Oh, as it was a student uh, rush program. Well, God bless the. So Bucks I'm reading the email here, and obviously ticket prices have to be elevated. It's the playoffs, uh, yeah. post COVID, Eastern Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, but new arena. But still, for for uh, students, still sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. That's it. I feel like that's still decently expensive for oh. a. I don't know. I would well, be thinking I, I, like twenty bucks. Oh no, no, sorry, Rowdy, that's not happening. I um, see a lot of empty seats. Sixty bucks, dude. Um, Eastern Conference Finals, new arena, post COVID, it's lit. I would sixty bucks sounds like a deal. Deer to me. District's free. Yeah, if I was a kid, if I was a college <laughs> kid, I would party my ass off at the Deer District. Uh, so and, and, and Heilprin was also saying he wasn't a hundred percent sure, but he thought the Deer District also might be some BYOB potentially. Oh, the, the Deer District screams BYOB. <laughs> that's 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 where you get. You ever heard of a Camelback? You know those things. That's where you get. Oh, yeah. You get yourself a Camelback, and you tell you tell the people that there's a high quality H two O, some water in there. Instead, you got Riot Punch. This is Fruit Punch. You got some grain alcohol, some uh, Gatorade, maybe some Red Bull, and you got yourself a night uh, that you may or may not remember. And last night, you probably don't want to remember it for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I got a message here from Carl Eco Bugman on Twitter. What's up, Carl? Let's see here. Was the Bucks game at the Kohl Center? <laughs> Rowdy called it yesterday a bleep-tastic game of uninspired basketball and uninspired fans. Not Budenholzer. He calls him Turdenholzer. <laughs> Did his wonderful coaching of no adjustments. Foul young hard and get in his head. There you go, Rowdy. It's not Mike Budenholzer after the game. Carl says Turdenholzer. <laughs> Let's go to the phones again. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Like taking candy from a baby last night. Well, if it isn't Dave from Anona. All the pigeons. I think I think I called that one. Bucks were going to lose game one because it was so obvious. Well, Dave, here's the thing. Whenever the Milwaukee Bucks play, you always say they're going to lose, so eventually you will get them. Well, I, I did text you and tell you guys to take the money line. You did. Nelson, Nelson almost had the balls, but as usual, his generation, he chicken, he chicken blanked out. Yep, yep, yep. But hey, uh, you're didn't fin- didn't, he didn't, didn't finish it, didn't complete it. 
you know, we're talking about tickets. Uh, well, we got you know, we got season tickets for our company. Um, tomorrow night's game, we we, uh, we made about a five hundred dollar profit. We sold ours in the two hundred level for six hundred and seventy five bucks. So tomorrow night's game probably will be crammed to capacity because ours are up in the two hundred level about the fifty yard line. If you, if you go by a football field, yeah. So I'm guessing tomorrow night it's going to be crammed because tickets are out of, are out of control. I mean, we made a ton of money on tomorrow night's game. Dave, Bucks are favored by seven and a half currently for tomorrow night's game. Who you got? It's a it's a, it's a gimme. Um, if, if I ever if I ever have to hear the name Jeff Teague again, I'm going to have I'm going to have another creamy crap. Why in the hell if you haven't played this guy in years? You put a guy like that out there on Young. Who took him to school three times for three for eight points? Is that guy on the court? And what happened to the rotation? Where oh my god, the rotation! Yeah, I mean, where the quality players played fifty minutes? Well, we, we, it's a seven game series. No, he just gave one away. And plus the fact that Atlanta won six games in a row. That one last night completely falls on you know Bobby's booty booty call <laughs> Bobby I mean, Bobby booty call that sounds like a yeah, new I mean, artist <laughs> yeah I mean, I Bobby, Bobby booty call baby I mean Bobby I mean between between the sheep and uh, oh you're talking Bob you're you talking Bob the listener who is the head of the yeah, Mike Bob fan club. Who, uh, I think he's who, listening I hope he calls in yeah who's never met a sheep or a Milwaukee Bucks coach he didn't like <laughs> I mean my god but anyway Bobby booty call that's funny wow well, yeah I mean, he's glorifying I mean this, <laughs> this coach who hasn't won a game and yeah, they're never talking about Rick Carlisle. Yeah, there's there's a guy we want. Thirteen years, one championship. Yeah, there we go, uh, Bucks fans. Hey, Dave. So you're taking the Bucks tomorrow night then? Oh yeah, that that is a lock. That, Bucks a tomorrow gimme. night is a lock. That's a gimme. Okay. I still think the Bucks win this series. Yeah, I, I think you're right because Bucks Giannis, and six. If I, hey, what, what, if I got to hear Giannis one more time say we can't get too high, can't get too low. Well, you're going to have plenty of time to get high, buddy, when you're uh, smoking dope and making babies. <laughs> you're playing like last night. You've never even been tested positive for any drugs, Dave. Well, I mean, I think I got to hear that for last night. You'll have plenty of time watching uh, you know, Atlanta and Phoenix. See you later, Dave. See you, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Always funny. Rob Reichel oh, from Forbes.com or Packer Insider. This guy has got the genes, man. He's got the genetic jackhammer as his kid has punched our ting at the state. Robbie! <laughs> the talent flows through the racial genes, the veins. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. She's a, she's a late-season call-up. She's not getting a lot of playing time. She's a freshman on a, on a state qualifying team, Evo, but... Uh, you know, you know what you know what this is like. The, the journey itself is unbelievable. It's moments and it's memories. The kids will never forget. Evil, I've I've covered a lot of state tournaments and a lot of different sports for 30 years in this state. I I've never gone to state to watch my kids playing anything until what what will be next Monday. So I cannot wait. Congratulations to uh, to my kid and Sussex Hamilton girls softball team. They qualified last night. They they have a brilliant young coach named Kaylee Gendrick, who's going to be a star in this state. She's, she's already a star locally, and uh, people will know that name when she's done coaching. And she's in her early 30s. She's going to be a star, and she's got a, she's got a terrific team. And, and my kid was fortunate enough to, to get called up from JV to varsity late in the season, and she's, she's just enjoying the ride, Evo. It's, it's Rob, awesome. Rob, rumor is, because i got people everywhere, Rob. I've got people in the know everywhere you could imagine, and I heard for a fact that once she got called up from JV to varsity, that was the spark that caused it to happen. So well done to the Reichel family. We are very excited and proud of you, my friend. Well, Monday's going to be a really cool day. Just like I, like I said, I, I've sat in a lot of press boxes and watched a lot of other a lot of other you know kids compete at states, and I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's great watching these kids, but it's, it's going to be a little bit different when you see your own kid out on the field and you know getting getting hugs from people and getting medals put on her neck, like I saw last night. You know, when they won a won a, won a sectional championship, just uh, just a totally different feeling. Just, well, Rob, just awesome, Evo. You know, I was hitting the ground balls when she was two and three years old, and. It's awesome to kind of see some of that stuff come to fruition. Now, I know you're going to be clapping a lot when it happens, so if you need someone to run up and dry your eyes with a box of Kleenex, I'll send Nelson up there with uh, with that for you so he can be your personal uh, uh, eye wiper away. Okay, Robbie? So we'll, we'll do that for you. 
Outstanding. Any time I get a chance to see Nelly, it's a good thing. <laughs> All right, Robbie. Uh, uh, anytime the Packers probably get to see Aaron Rodgers would probably be a good thing. I'm, I'm obviously not been around. So the last thing we heard about Rodgers, and and tell me if this is like any truth to this, if we should put any stock to this. And I, I can't remember. Correct me if we're uh, wrong. If we, I don't know if we've talked about it or not. Have we talked about Rodgers renewing his freaking membership at the Green Bay Country Club? <laughs> no, I, I think that came to, came to pass <laughs> after we talked last week. You know. And, <laughs> And, and obviously, people will speculate and, and read into any nugget they get right now. And, you know, I mean, the, hey, for, for everybody out there that wants Aaron Rodgers back under center, it, it's probably a good sign. Again, Nelly, unless he and his people are trolling the Green Bay Packers, like one of his buddies was doing in, in Hawaii, you know, six weeks ago or whenever that was, a month ago. So, I mean, in, in theory, Nelly, it, it, it looks on paper like it's a positive. I mean, when, when, when does a guy go, right? He, he's done, you know, probably by the end of October, yeah. um, at, at least in this state. So, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're, you're, you're playing pretty much August, September, October, and there's, there's not a lot of need to renew that membership if, if A, you don't think you're going to be back, period, or B, you're going to go into some substantial long-term holdout where, you don't, you know, where, where people don't see him until the trading deadline or or something like that, which happens in, in late October. So, I mean, again, in theory, it's it's probably, a, you know, if you want to read the tea leaves, it's probably a positive or a good sign for Rogers eventually coming back to Green Bay. But anyway, I, I still completely stand by what I've said for the last, you know, whatever it is now, almost two months, right? That was April 29th when I think this story first broke on, on, on the first night of the draft. But I think Evo, he is so dug in. Um, when training camp begins on July 27, I do not expect to see Aaron Rodgers. And um, again, maybe week one is a totally different story, Evo, but, yeah. but I think this thing is going to drag out well through the summer for us. Wow. I feel like it would be kind of like awkward when he comes back. Like, hey, guys, I'm back. Here, it's me, Aaron Rodgers. I know you guys have been practicing all summer. Here I am. I feel like it'd be like, Kind of weird, be like, "Yo, dude, what's going on here? Like, you just kind of bailed on us all summer." Maybe that's just me, Rob, and we'll see what happens. But something else would be kind of weird would be seeing Jordan Love being the you know week one starter. I was reading uh, your article at Forbes dot com. I know you, you did a little bit ago, but there's not been much Packers news, obviously, because they're done until what late July. So Jordan Love, he's preparing like he's the week one starter, yeah. Yeah, and, and then you're right, there's not going to be a lot of news in theory over the next four weeks or so. Everybody's on summer vacation right now, and, um, and, and, and the writers try to get a little bit of a break right here. But he absolutely is a have-to, Evil. You know, and, and Matt LaFleur said that, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday, as LaFleur was, was wrapping up kind of the, the final mini camp and, and getting away for his summer. You know, he probably gets about three weeks of a summer vacation before he's back in mid-July cranking and getting ready for training camp. But, but he said, you know, somebody asked him, what's your advice to, to Jordan Love here as you know, as we head into the summer? And he said, you need to prepare like you're the starter. And and I think I think that's exactly what they need to do over there, Evo. There, there's not going to be two playbooks. There's not an Aaron Rodgers playbook and a Jordan Love playbook. There's, there's one playbook. And, and whether that's Rodgers running that playbook, whether that's Jordan Love, whether a trade happens and that's somebody who's not in Green Bay at this current time, I guess is, is always still a possibility too. But Evo, I, you know, I, I think the chances are, are at least 50-50 Jordan Love is under center week one when this team goes to New Orleans. Again, I, I'm with you 100% on, you know, when, when you just made the comment, it's going to be weird for Rodgers to come back and just kind of say, hey, I'm, I'm here, guys. That's not how Aaron Rodgers rolls. And you know, Green Bay has all the leverage right now. Evo, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' next move is um, in in this in this whole chicken or chess game, whatever you want to call it. I don't know that he has a move necessarily, but I know Aaron Rodgers well enough that he doesn't kind of come back and with his head between his tail. That's not how Rodgers rolls. That's not how he's going to roll in this situation. And it leads me to believe more and more, Evo, that that he's you know as dug in as he is, he's going to hold firm. This thing's going to drag along uh, probably into September. And and what his next move is at that point in time, that I, I, I guess we'll find out whether that's demanding a trade at that point in time, whether it's making other demands inside the organization. And, and, and instead of sending out his minions, Evo, um, you know, to, to, to kind of spread the word and, and spread his message, he actually has the courage to go and do it himself because he's going to 
in and he doesn't show up, you know, for training camp on the 27th and, and eventually then if the season creeps closer if he's not there for week one. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com. Check his work out there. Also Twitter at Rob Reichel. So, Rob, another thing that um, I was on uh, – a podcast last night with a friend of mine, and we were talking about, like, okay, what happens if Devontae Adams leaves? Because he feel like he's kind of tied to Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams, only one year left on his contract. And Devontae kind of alluded to that, you know, uh, what, a couple days ago, uh, saying that, like, yeah, like, Rodgers, I'm watching the situation, but I don't want to talk contract stuff right now. Uh, what should the Packers, I mean, obviously, be trying everything in their power to get Devontae Adams back. But let's say Rodgers does get traded somewhere. Rodgers does, like, retire, worst-case scenario. What happens with Devontae Adams? Well, that's another part of this mystery, obviously, Evo. Keep in mind, and I think, you know, before Packer fans run to a bridge to jump off, (laughs) there will be some remarkable developments if Aaron Rodgers eventually moves along. And even Devontae Adams, Evo, just in terms of the salary cap money that will get freed up and the draft pick that will come back to Green Bay. You know, Rodgers is not going to retire, Evo. I think there's a lot of scenarios that could happen here. I don't think retirement is one of them. This guy still wants to play another four or five years. He wants to chase another ring. He watched what happened with Tom Brady once he went to Tampa Bay and kind of restarted his career and, um, you know, got everything that he wanted and liked in Tampa Bay. Rogers would love a landing spot just like that. Um, I don't think he'll get one because the Packers won't allow him the kind of leverage that Tom Brady wound up having. But Aaron Rodgers is not going to retire, is my point there, Evo. And if mm-hmm. he goes away uh, via trade, they're going to get back, you know, like, like we've talked about, probably four draft picks at least in the top two rounds and a player or two. And in the process, Evo, they're going to take up $35 million of cap room. If Devontae Adams eventually wants to go away, Evo, and sign somewhere else, they're going to pick up a ton of cap room. Green Bay, then, Evo, over the next season or two, is going to be, I mean, let, let's estimate 40 to $50 million under the salary cap um, because it's going to jump from, you know, the, the, the 185 range or, or wherever it is this year to 210 Evo next year. You know, so the cap's jumping up dramatically. Rogers comes off the books. Adams comes off the books. Um, I don't know, Evo, just, you know, how tied Adams is to Rogers. I think it's 80%. And, and I do think Adams is, is, would be irritated enough that, that he would seek employment somewhere else um, if Rodgers does wind up leaving. But even if he does, again, and now let, let's keep in mind, you know, Tamante Adams came in in, in what, 2014 as a rookie. Uh, it, this is the 2021 season, so it's already year eight. Green Bay has gotten by far the best years out of Devontae Adams that he will have on a football field. You know, it's, you know, they, they, they got maximum value out of him. Football players don't get better on the wrong side of 30. They get worse. And and Devontae Adams is a guy they, you know, they, they, they've gotten tremendous value from. And even if, if they decide to eventually go young or wide receiver, have all that cap room, have all those draft picks, they can restock that position pretty quickly. There's, there's five, six, eight receivers in every single draft now that come in and help right away. There will be terrific free agents on the market. I'm sure that first choice, is to bring Devontae Adams back. But if Adams is, is, is that much, you know, tied to Rodgers and that in love with Rodgers that he may want to follow him or whatever happens, Green Bay will have plenty of options even to restock that, to, to kind of restock that cupboard. All right, I feel you, Robbie. Okay, because if, uh, Ad- if Aaron Rodgers is gone and the Devontae Adams leaves, uh, I once said that if the Green Bay Packers lost to the uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals at Lambeau, that I would jump. <laughs> I would jump from the, the new addition. And my God, not only did Aaron Rodgers lose to Josh freaking Rosen and the Cardinals, but Mike McCarthy was then fired. I didn't jump, Rob. But, and shame on me, but Rob, if Devontae and Rodgers both leave, man, I might be jumping that, man, because that's, that's going to be tough. But hope does spring eternal. But, Rob, we have to ask you real quick. Well, I, first, first of all, let me stop you real quick. The best news I've heard so far today now is A, that you didn't jump, and B, if Adams and Rodgers leave, just remember, at one point, Marvin Driver left. Right at one point, Star and Horning and and, and and all these guys wound up leaving. If, if you have the right people in the front office to restock everything, you will be absolutely fine. People, people want to scream gloom and doom if Aaron Rodgers leaves. Um, I'm telling you right now, Evo, if he does leave, Green Bay is going to be set in terms of draft picks and salary cap room to rebuild this thing very, very quickly. And if Jordan Love turns out to be a top-12 quarterback, Evo, 
then we're going to have another 10 years of successful football. All right, Rob. Well, when I'm making my drive up the Green Bay, if it does happen, I'll call you during my, you know, three, three and a half hour drive. That way you can meet me there to talk me off the ledge. Okay, buddy? That, that, that sounds good. What was your last point? Just, just really quick, Rob, just like 10 words or less. <laughs> your thoughts on the Wisconsin Badger basketball program right now? Eva, I, I 100% hate narcs. So um, <laughs> I, I, I will say this. You know, I'm not a huge great guy, guy yep. but I, I feel bad for him in this situation. But, but the program has a lot of problems. That's become very evident. And this is a bad look for everybody. I 100% hate Narts. <laughs> Rob, I 100% love you, my man. We'll keep going on at Forbes.com and at Rob Reichel, okay? Have a great weekend and good luck to your daughter. Well done on coaching her up to get the state, my brother. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Thanks. Good, you, Robbie. good stuff from Rob. <laughs> That's, I love that statement. I 100% hate <laughs> Narks. <laughs> this is a good one. He's not wrong. He is... Uh, Rob, I 100% hate narcs. Rob, how do you feel about narcs? Hate them. Hate them.